Welcome to Getting Off with Natalie and Rocky, where we help you to create more safety and enjoyment in the bedroom. I'm Natalie Viers, a pleasure and intimacy coach. And I'm Rocky Peterson, Yoni massage practitioner and pleasure educator. This is a space where you get to open your mind, be free of your inhibitions and play. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Getting Off with Natalie and Rocky. I'm Rocky. And I'm Natalie. And today we're going to talk about uh, developing a mindset of play and curiosity. And so the first question is, why do play and curiosity matter? So play and curiosity matter very much uh, because we tend to put ourselves uh, and society tends to put us in very limiting boxes. As we age, we tend to make decisions about what matters to us and what's important. And those decisions are based in beliefs and ideas that don't necessarily support our fulfillment and satisfaction in life, uh, even though they are sort of sold to us as, as the promise of such. What I find in the work with my clients is that this is a huge area where we spend a lot of time expanding into the idea of what does play even mean to you personally. There are so many, many different ways to engage in play. And one of the best clues for how to go back and get in touch with the idea of play, if you've kind of lost the thread in your life, is to think about what you enjoyed most when you were a kid, what you would lose yourself in time doing, and uh, what made you feel most free. And also thinking about what activities have you put down in your life But more specifically, Rocky, I'd like you to address why play and curiosity matter in the bedroom. Well, you know what? As you were talking, I was thinking about some of the mistakes that us guys make in play and curiosity. And that is that we we kind of segment it a little bit. We have like, okay, there's sex play. There's, you know, go time for that. And then there's, you know, I'm going to go ride my motorcycle or go, you know, water skiing or whatever the case may be. And we really separate those in a, you know, kind of an unnatural way. I mean, it, it seems like it's a completely different mode for us to have fun with our toys and have fun with our partner. And I think that it's important for us to start getting our head around that we've got to kind of mix and match the different kinds of plays and kind of merge them together a little bit more in a way that we bring a little bit more, I don't want to say sex into our other stuff, but don't take away the possibility that being out water skiing can be sexy or being in the bedroom can be more, playful in a way that isn't sexy. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting point and very true that most men tend to have work mode and play mode. And there is sort of a compartmentalization. I don't think that having different modes is necessarily the issue because I do think that to an extent, that's partially just how masculine energy functions. It's very singly focused. And so whatever is in front of a man is receiving all of his attention, basically. 
and which is why masculine energy, when we're talking about that, that kind of energetic polarity is very useful for going after goals, for getting things done because it's so singly focused. And, and so when men are in work mode, they're like nothing else, they're in work realm, right? Nothing else is really going on for them outside of that. And I think it's important for women to understand that function that most men have, because like we, we really appreciate the way that most men can like really masterfully get shit done when he wants to. Feminine bodied beings are just as capable of embodying this kind of masculine energy. We all know women in the workforce that are, you know, that are just as masterful at chasing those goals and getting shit done. So this is, I'm speaking of a form of energy here and the masculine polarity and separating it from gender. And I just think it's important to have sensitivity for that tendency in masculine energy bodied beings, because as feminine beings, our energy operates very differently. Our energy is kind of all encompassing. We we have like energetic feelers that extend into the things around us and we're capable of holding multiple things within our field at once. It's why we can wash the dishes and mind the children and and also feed the dog at the same time and chat with on the phone with our girlfriend. We can have these multiple things happening and that and that's fe- feminine energy genius where we're sort of tending to the environment as a whole. That's why we are so great at creating an atmosphere at home that is inviting and comforting because our energy is naturally tending to that. So I guess what I'm talking about is a little bit more of a window for guys to kind of take a little bit more play and curiosity that they want to attribute to the bedroom and bring it out of the bedroom and mix it in a little bit. I'm not, I'm not talking about necessarily work mode. And I understand what you're saying that it, I get that it's great to see us be focused and there's a time for that. Absolutely. But the problem that I see is just yesterday, I had a woman come in here and the guy, you know, he only had one mode when it came to sex and it was like, you know, kind of proprietary ownership, you know, you're mine and I can do with you what I want, when I want. Makes me think of that scene in uh, Game of Thrones where Drogo is, is having his way with, oh, what's her name? <laughs> Dragon Lady for the first time. <laughs> Just that mentality of like, that proprietary mentality. Oh gosh, Khaleesi, that's her name. <laughs> Sorry, I don't, I don't remember the, that episode, but it's been a while since I've seen any Game of Thrones. But anyway, yeah, I mean, and she tried to tell him, she says, I give him a roadmap, you know, that I, I need, you know, I need some more communication outside of the bedroom. I need more engagement outside of the bedroom. And curiosity is kind of the key one here, maybe more so than play, you know, having conversations that might be about the bedroom outside of the bedroom instead of saving everything up. And it's like, now we're in bedroom mode. And that's kind of what I'm saying. We kind of try and allocate everything for right there because that's the spot where it's like all okay. And it's like, no, not so much, guys. You know, some of the, there's stuff that's okay. Play and curiosity is the thing that's okay outside of the bedroom that you can bring in in a, you know, not so sexy of a way. It's not like 
you know, I'm saying, you know, hey, baby, tonight I'm going to fuck your bones out. It's more like, you know, a slap on the ass while you're out skiing, you know, kind of a thing, you know, playful things and, and hugs and touching and, and some of those kind of things that you can do a little bit more incidentally to, to say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm glad we're out here skiing together. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because you, ju- you just mentioned a number of physical ways to play and men are very physical in their play in general, which is something to keep in mind. And, you know, as you're describing that kind of play, what's coming up for me is mm, as long as she's like totally into that. <laughs> <laughs> because it's so easy to play that way, uh, in particular, in a way that that makes women uncomfortable. Well, of course, it has to be attuned. Yeah, yeah. established that that form of play is desired. There's a lot of other ways to play together. And what's occurring to me and what I think is is the piece that is missing for a lot of men is the involvement of his inner child. When we're connecting most vulnerably with someone, we are connecting with using our inner children. Ultimately, we're, we're acknowledging the softest, most innocent, most vulnerable parts of ourselves. And that is ultimately our inner child. That might scare the hell out of some guys. I mean, it's like, yeah, what, you, you want me to be childish? <laughs> yeah. Well, the conditioning that men have received, they've been taught to lock their, their inner child up in a box and act like just doesn't exist, which I think is part of what you're speaking to with that compartmentalization. Like, I think in some ways, men kind of bury themselves in certain play hobbies and kind of develop tunnel vision because they know they enjoy that thing. And if their life is super compartmentalized and they're not necessarily enjoying that thing, like with their inner child online and kind of present in the process, then... I could see how being more in touch with that inner little boy and remembering a sense of silliness and playfulness and bringing that into your interactions would lead to what you're speaking to of like allowing some of that compartmentalization to fall away and bringing more of that energy into your other interactions. Yeah. Are you excited to explore the world of pleasure? If so, head to Getting Off with NatalieAndRocky.com, where you can choose your own adventure. So I've kind of hit on the guys a little bit. So I also want to talk about playing curiosity when it comes to women. And I see something that's kind of the negatives. Mm-hmm. Negatives, right? So women have more play outside the bedroom and it's like they're more developed out there right and then when they come to the bedroom it's like okay i don't know how to play here i don't know what i want i don't know what's fun i don't i don't know what i need i'll let him figure it out for me and so men are very curious when it comes to sexual activities it's like we want to try everything and we're looking, we're out constantly looking. What can, I, what, what, what can I try? What can I try? What can I try? And women, you know, it feels like you got, you got your blinders on about, you know, trying new things in the bedroom. How, why is it that I ask you what you want and you don't know? Don't you ever like explore out there, you know, what's, what might be fun to do in the bedroom? 
Are you always going to wait for me to bring the ideas? You know, so I'm being a little bit facetious here, but it's like, why is it there's such a disparity that men have ideas in the bedroom on how to play and, you know, we get a little bit shot down for having ideas that are too bold and women don't have so many ideas in the bedroom and they're happy to shoot us down for, you know, not having enough ways to go out and play in the world. So... Do you have a theory as to why that disparity exists or you're asking because you don't? I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> I'll be honest. It's curious to me that, you know, we do have a disparity. Do you have a theory? Yeah. Oh, good. I'm honestly shocked that I have to <laughs> share this answer with you because I would have guessed that you would be able to get here, but it, it's, it's lack of safety. It's the fact that women have experienced unattuned play and curiosity that has not gone well, or they have been, you know, the target of a man's desires and will without him checking in if, if she was good around it. And then there's just the, just the general lack of safety around being a woman and engaging sexually in general. A, a woman is shut down in the bedroom and shut down to trying new things because she doesn't feel safe. She may not know that consciously. She may not be able to, to say to you directly, my answer is no, because I don't feel safe to go there. She's going to just avoid and she's going to say that it's not something important to her or it doesn't matter or she's going to prioritize other things above it and, and make excuses using those things. But it all comes down to the experience she has had with men thus far. And the fact that she has yet to create a sense of safety within herself and to move through a process of releasing some of those previous associations and some of that trauma in her body. Women shut down because their bodies no longer feel safe in the situation. A lot of them have developed pain and physical issues due to the lack of safety because that's what the body does in order to protect itself. It clamps down, it tightens up, it tries to make it so that we can't be accessible. Okay, so here's the dilemma. Here's here I can hear guys out there right now. Okay, so you want us to bring out our little boy. So the little boy is thinking, hey, come on, let me stick it in the back. Let me let me try your anus. Right? <laughs> you know, I mean, that's the the little boy. But I mean, you know, you see how we could get in trouble, you know, like wanting to you know, be the little boy. Now I get it. What little that, boys are going around asking to stick it in the butthole though, honestly, like, <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> boys want to do, they want to try everything. I'm being a little bit facetious in saying that. You sound like you're channeling your inner teenager, not your inner child when you suggest such a thing. Cause it, uh, your inner boy is far more innocent than that. He may like he's still going to want to try random things, but his motivation is not the same as, you know, once you have been conditioned to, to make sex the goal. Well, there's a fulcrum point, right? I mean, you know, I, I remember when I was a real small kid, you know, you show me yours and I'll show you mine. And I, you know, I had, I was like five or six years old and I, I couldn't touch it. I had to touch it with a piece of grass, you know, it's like, what's that feel like, you know? <laughs> so at some point, you know, when we get to that point where it's like we realize our penis is, you know, for something other than going pee, you know, we start getting interested in uh, what can we do with this? So, I mean, you know, it is a little bit facetious to talk about putting it in her anus, but I mean, 
you know, there's somewhere in there that, you know, we get curious and we want to try things. And what I'm trying to point out is it's coming from a place of curiosity. It's coming from a place of play and authentic, not trying to make anybody feel unsafe, Mm -hmm. but I do understand how it does because it's like, so, so one woman said yes, and we did it recklessly. We did it carelessly. We, we went too fast. We went too hard, even though she was afraid and she, you know, told us that she didn't want to. And, you know, somehow we, you know, we figured, oh, it'll be okay. And we, you know, push hard and hurt her. And, and it was a traumatic experience. So now we're learning things along the way that, okay, well, we can't necessarily be quite as playful and curious as we want. It's usually more subtle than that. This is what I want men to understand so deeply. Most of the traumatic experiences that I have in my past, if you were to ask the man who was involved, he would likely have no idea whatsoever that it was a traumatic experience for me because it didn't seem like one. And this is the number one concept that I am talking about in my course and in my work one-on-one is this self-imposed trauma where we are not making it clear. We're in people-pleasing mode. We're acting like we're having a good time. We're acting like we're consenting. We're even talking ourselves into it. We're even believing that we're consenting because we've been so conditioned to not take the time to check in with ourselves. And it's the same with men, right? Men haven't learned to take the time to check in with us. It's like this novel concept that women need to be brought on board as well if we're going to get naked. (laughs) So if if you're curious about sticking it in the butthole and you want to take it there, great. Create safety around it. Find a way to bring us on board where the idea sounds fun right? When you want to play with someone, you have to create an invitation to play. You can't, you can't be like, we're going to play. So now play with me and then like force someone into play mode when they're not also in that play state. If you want to play, you have to embody play and be like, hey, come play with me. It'll be great, right? And make it sound good. <laughs> and I would say both women and men alike do not understand this about themselves, that safety is the lacking factor here. When you feel safe, it's easy to play. It's easy to be in that playful, silly, vulnerable state and just like let things be loosey-goosey. You feel safe. That's kind of the whole reason why our last episode was about boundaries because that is how you create the safety by establishing what you want and what you don't want and having communication around that and, and giving a man an opportunity to attune to you. Once he has done that, once you feel connected intimately beyond just like, oh, you're attractive naked and I'm attractive naked and we want to do each other, (laughs) then you open up the floor where you can really play and get curious with each other. But that is the wall that men are running into where they're like, I want to play around and, you know, have more fun in the bedroom. And women are like, no, thanks. They're running into that safety wall. You cannot go there unless you learn how to make her feel safe. Absolutely. So I literally had a client yesterday that has endured such unsafe situations. Her partner actually even has a felony for some of the unsafe things that he did. And I'm sure there are lots of listeners that can relate. And he thought everything he was doing was okay. This is the bizarre part, you know, how... 
people can do things that are so hurtful and think that's okay. That's my wife. I can do that. Can I explain why it's hard for us to tell you when it's not okay in the moment? Because I feel like a lot of men think that way that they, they think, well, I would expect that I would be told if something didn't feel good or if it wasn't right. And they're just making that assumption that if I haven't heard anything, everything must be good. Men, you all need to stop making that assumption. Every last one of you. In fact, I would much rather you make the assumption that you've been a bumbling fool at one point with a woman and <laughs> do that inquiry with yourself because that's why we're here having these conversations and creating this platform and this place to engage in this concept. It is new, this idea that we need to create safety with each other. It's not something that we are taught. So it is very likely that you have caused harm accidentally without realizing it. It is very likely that a woman didn't tell you about it. And here's why. Because when you're in the moment and you don't feel safe already, a man's reaction to hearing that he's not doing well or that you're not doing well or whatever, anything negative, we, we feel this pressure to make it a positive experience, whether we are like simply just trying to get it over with or, you know, whatever the reasoning is, we're trying to put our best foot forward. And, and we're usually deprioritizing ourselves in the process. And when you're dealing with a man who already isn't engaged in what's going on for you, his reaction is going to be entirely focused on himself. So he's going to feel all his feelings and have his response that is you know, coming from his feelings and where he's going. And when you're in that vulnerable space and you don't feel safe and things don't feel good, then being hit with a response that is all about him and not about you just adds insult to injury, honestly. And that isn't to say that, you know, certainly not all men are going to respond poorly. But across the board... <laughs> We have growth work to do with men in terms of holding space for women's experience and being responsive to our communications. It's, it's rough out there for us, honestly. Well, I mean, I feel sad. I mean, you're, you're teaching men to continue to be bad by bowing out of asking him to be responsible for his bad behavior. It's okay you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard when somebody told me something, you know, that a man did, and then she's still defending him. She's telling me what he did wrong. And then, and I talk about how bad it was and it's, it's okay. Like she's now, now I'm the same guy and you know, she's passing it on to me. Don't, don't worry about it. You could do it too. It almost feels like she's saying, you know, but I know better than that. And I feel for women, there's a lot going on here that you have to contend with. I mean, you're trying not to hurt his ego. I mean, that's really what this is about, right? You're trying to, you know, not create a situation where you're making him feel bad about being playful and curious and because he's just, you know, he's being too rough or he's gone awry with it. We are already so hungry for intimacy and connection with men. And when you're in a relationship where it's not happening enough, and then you reject that man for whatever reason by, you know, telling him something's not working or saying no to something, which 
we absolutely need to be doing and have the right to do. But when you're in that situation and you're all up in your patriarchal conditioning, you're kissing goodbye whatever intimacy you could get from the situation because the man's going to withdraw because his ego has been hurt. And that just leads to further frustration and further separation, distance. And again, back to what you said a little while ago, that's why we do this show so that we can help people understand how to navigate this. So guys, are you hearing it? We need to back off and slow down a little bit and be checking in and being attuned and creating safety. And as you create more safety, you are going to open up all kinds of new doors. If we could like really simplify this, it's men's job to understand the concept of safety and creating a safe space for a woman to open and it's it's women's job to open up but it is absolutely unfair to ask women to open up before creating safety for them well i'll be the first guy to say that the more safety that you can create the more amazing the experience because that's really what my websites and my services all about is creating the ultimate safe space and i just see women absolutely blossom in it so i can definitely vouch for what you're saying there that if we take on the responsibility of being the one in charge of creating the safe space it will be immensely beneficial for you I mean, just speaking to the physical effect in your sessions, an orgasm when one feels safe (laughs) is so much more powerful. You start every session with just basic massage and relaxation, and you do that so that a woman's pelvic nerve can turn on. And that basically turns your entire dermis, your whole skin, into... For me, it feels like my whole body turns into a clit. It dials up the sensation and the intensity of every little touch and every little thing. And it basically becomes this experience of creating layers upon layers of pleasure that eventually amount to a much more powerful release. And it's it's just not an effect that is possible without the ability to fully relax into safety. Okay. Thank you. All right. So enough of uh, kind of the male bashing here uh, on my part. So what I want to talk about for a second now is back to, you know, kind of the women and the playful and curiosity on your part. And so accidentally I figured something out for women. So I've got one page on I put it on all my websites. I call it my themes list, and it's the same on all my sites, wherever you go. And you've seen it. You call it my menu. And how that developed was women would say, well, you know, what's possible in a session, right? And I had videos that they could watch that, you know, kind of showed a session and a yoni massage. And it's like, well, is there anything else? And so I had, I created a, you know, like a list. I could say, well, there could be this or that, you know, like, for example, if you want to focus on, you know, some women like really enjoy nipple massage. And so if you wanted to focus on nipple massage, we could have a themed session that we could focus on nipple massage. You want to try an orgasm from having your nipples touch? We could do that, right? And so 
all of a sudden there was a list of 10 things, right? Nipple massage, butt massage, you know, maybe using a vibrator or something like that. And uh, I posted that short list and other women would see the list and it's like, oh, I saw your list. And I, you know, it's like, I want to try this and I want to try that. And, and it's like, and then they'd say, well, and what about this? Can you do this too? And so what the list is, is really, you know, kind of those curiosities and those playful things that women were thinking about that they kind of put on the back shelf because, you know, they weren't finding anybody that could participate with them, uh, you know, to just massage their nipples or whatever the case may be. And so the list grew and grew and grew, and it's a pretty long list now. And now I literally get people will, you know, like they'll copy that list, they'll circle things, you know, in their phone, and they'll send me, you know, the list of of everything that excites them. Now, one of the interesting things about that is usually that's only going to be something that they feel safe with, right? So you can kind of choose, you know, activities that you, you know, kind of already have a sense that, oh, I think that would be safe. It's going to be pretty safe to get a nipple massage. I mean, what could happen? What could a guy do to like get that out of control doing a nipple massage? So I've created something where women can get ideas for their curiosity and play. And then people can kind of take that, you know, look at it together or she could take it you know, I saw this list and I found these things. Hey, here's a list of things I'd like to try. You want to, you know, do you want to try those? And, you know, basically what I've done is I've kind of taken, you know, some of our activities that we like sexually and I've kind of whittled it down to where it's just one thing that we're going to focus on in a session like nipple massage. I mean, the tendency for guys is it's like, okay, we start, we go, we, you know, go to this move, we go to that position, we do this, we do that. You know, it's like we try and go through, you know, several different like things on our list. It's like, we're trying to group 10 things from our themes list into one sexual activity. And, you know, this is an opportunity to like back that up a little bit and take one piece of that and savor it for a longer period of time. Be creative with it. Put your curiosity into it. Put some playfulness into it. Mm-hmm. And you've experienced it. So you you can talk to how that feels. It's very enticing to be able to select what you would like to experience and to be able to trust that you're only going to experience that. I would say that that's an that is an experience that is not available within relationship for the most part, but should be. And I think that this work encourages that a lot. I do want to say that if you're in a relationship and you would like to play more in the bedroom and you're not currently, I want to say don't even try to go there in the bedroom if you're not already comfortable playing with each other outside of the bedroom. What do you mean by that? You need to be able to create safety with each other outside of the bedroom before you go trying to create it in the bedroom. Okay. We keep dropping hints that foreplay is happening all day long and is not just something that happens in the bedroom. This level of connection and attunement, if it's only happening in the bedroom, that's a huge problem. That means that, that there's again, this like issue of compartmentalization And there's not enough crossover happening. So if you want a woman to feel safe with you naked, find ways to help her feel safe when she's 
clothed and just having a good time with you. It means, you know, going out of your way to treat her with respect. It means going out of your way to honor her and who she is in, in various ways. It means noticing what matters to her and what's important and like showing up around those things in whatever way is available to you. It means looking for ways to support her and ways that you can show up for her because all of that is going to create a desire in her to open to you further and to lean into that sense of safety you're creating by being the man who says, I've got you. Those three little words are like, (laughs) they're our favorite. Because when we're with a man who, when he says them, we believe him. We know that like, that's a solid statement. That that's one of the safest feelings in the world. But I've got you has to mean more than just our physical needs. It has to mean like I'm aware of what you need as a person. So guys listening might be, okay, so what's the the counterpart to that? And I'm thinking what I want to hear is I want you. Now, again, outside of the bedroom Mm -hmm. is great. It's not so much I got you for us. Mm -hmm. We want to hear something that, okay, I, I like you and I trust you and I feel safe with you. I think hearing I want you is probably the manifestation of that. Would you would you agree? Mm-hmm. Uh, so here's an example. I am currently chatting with a new man who just popped into my space. And we've been getting to know each other over the last few days. And he asked me last evening, you know, we've flirted back and forth and things. Uh, he asked if I wanted him sexually. And we've only kind of been in contact for, I don't know, less than a week now. And We'd sent pictures and things, and he, of course, wants me sexually. (laughs) And men are very visually stimulated. I'm a beautiful woman. It's really not hard to get a man to that point where he is interested sexually. As a woman, you know, he has sent me just as many pictures of himself. Uh, He's an attractive man. He's there's absolutely nothing missing in that department, and. I could kind of care less about the visual. I'm not like, it doesn't matter to me what a man looks like. That's probably like one of my least priorities. It matters to me so much more how he makes me feel and how he shows up in my life. So right now I feel no sexual desire for this man whatsoever. I Do I find him interesting and stimulating? Do I enjoy talking to him? Totally. Am I wanting to get to know him further and see if, if it is going to a place where I will feel sexual attraction, totally. Like he's, he's walking me in, in the right direction. And I mean, I just said this to him in response to his question. What I need in order to feel genuine sexual attraction is more of a connection. I need to feel like you get me. I need to feel like you're super into me and like observing what's going on with me. And like you're right here with me. That's sexy. I also am looking for like, what are you offering? What are you bringing to my life? I happen to be a woman who has so much going on in her life. I've I've got this podcast. I'm developing another podcast. I run a membership for women where we're making our lives richly resourced. I run another membership where we're focused on self-devotion. I've got coaching clients. I'm a single mother. I've got a five-year-old son. I take care of my home entirely by myself. I have all of these things going on. 
the idea of a man coming into my life, I'm not interested unless he has something to bring into my life that will somehow improve it, make it better, maybe make it easier. You know, there's lots of different ways that he could change things in positive ways. But like him changing my life in positive ways, that's sexy to me. That makes me feel sexually attracted. Like, oh, you're here, you're engaged, like you care about what's going on with me. Those are the things that make me think about wanting to get naked and like feeling touched, feeling cared about by someone. I've really gotten to this place. I didn't used to be so kind of aware of the development of my own attraction. I used to kind of respond to someone else's attraction by finding a way to kind of bring myself there. And that was before I did this deep work that I've done that I do with women now to really find that authentic yes and no and honor that. And so here I am in this experience with this man who has lots of green flags, lots of interesting things going on for him. And as a woman, it's so important to me to stay cued in on my experience and my body. And I'm not allowing anything to move before my body is on board with things. And that's a radical act. Not enough women are doing that. So him kind of jumping the gun about asking uh, if you want him sexual, is how does that impact? I didn't consider that jumping the gun. Okay, so you're okay with that. We had been flirting. We had been talking about sexual preferences and fantasies. And like we had gone there. I received it as him looking for feedback and information on where I was at, which I appreciate very much. And it gave me the opportunity to give my honest answer. I'm not there yet. I need more connection. And like, we've only texted back and forth thus far. And I said to him, honestly, I could care less about visual stimulation, but I'm extremely orally, saying that word is difficult, orally (laughs) stimulated by what I hear. So it like, I'm often a lot more attracted to a man because of his voice than I am because of his looks. And if he knows how to whisper in my ear just the right thing, then like my toes curl. Mm. But I don't feel that connected to this guy yet because we've only texted back and forth. We haven't even had a voice conversation. I would guess that after just one conversation, I would feel a lot more attraction towards him. But I appreciate that he seems to recognize that my pace is not his pace. And that just because I'm not there yet doesn't mean I'm not going there. So he's consistently adjusting the pace of his pursuit based on how I'm responding to him. That is attunement. He's not going anywhere. He's consistently showing his interest and making bids in my direction. And if he doesn't get the response he's looking for on anything, he's asking about it. He's he's showing curiosity about like, why isn't this vibing the way I hope or whatever? And I'm giving him the answer. And it's like, oh, okay, that's where she's at. So he's creating openness. He's receptive. You're receptive. He's creating the opportunity for me to open. Right now, I'm closed to him because I just don't feel safe to open with him. And, you know, there's a lot of opening into vulnerability that needs to happen as as a woman our hearts, our legs, there's lots of things that need to open. So the fact that he's checking in with me and feeling into where I'm at is naturally leading me in a direction where I'm open to the possibility of opening with him. Yeah, you're cultivating it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's something that has to happen at its own pace. So many things are rushed these days. 
And one of the things that I've gotten really clear on as a woman is that, you know, I'm not doing this to test a man, but I need to see who he is and how he shows up in the world over time before I try to make any sort of commitment or jump in with him. A lot of people are like feeling that initial feeling of attraction and then boom, like within a week of knowing each other, they're, they're together, they're doing the thing now. And it's like, whoa, (laughs) you have no idea who that person is. You don't know what he's like when he's angry, when he's disappointed or when things aren't going his way. I need to see all that. And I need to see what happened, you know, how he responds when things aren't going my way and yada, yada, yada. And so this very slow pace, it's a very good sign that he's comfortable and okay with going at my pace and he's adjusting according to my feedback. I had a conversation with one of my older clients about the blowjob question from episode two or whatever it was. And one of the things that we talked about in that was back in the day, if somebody did something like that, the the other person, usually the woman would say something like, Hey, can we slow things down a little bit? It used to be kind of a little bit simpler to, you know, kind of let somebody know in a nice way that's moving a little bit too fast. And so it sounds like, you know, guys are maybe tuning in a little bit more to taking a little bit more time. Uh, It's still pretty rare. (laughs) So that brings up one of our other notes, scarcity and abundance, like guys live in scarcity and women live in abundance. And I know that's not true, but that's what it feels like to us. Yeah. It's funny that you went to scarcity versus abundance, right? After I said that these men are rare Uh, because honestly they are rare. The Kings that have taken the time to examine how they show up for themselves as well as how they impact others around them. It's rare. And going to that note on scarcity versus abundance, the reason why I am meeting them is because I am constantly affirming to myself that they do exist and that there's plenty of them and plenty to find one for me and for all my girlfriends. (laughs) And I think our attitude, our belief about whether something is abundant or scarce really impacts whether we can experience it. So I choose to believe in an abundance of beautiful qualities in men that contribute to my life. I'm looking for that as I move and I'm taking the time to uh, express my appreciation and respect for the men in my life who do show up, who contribute these things. Uh, You're one of them, Rocky. Thank you. Because I hold this belief, I get to experience it all the time. And it's the majority of my experience with men. So one of the things when we're getting into that mindset of playfulness and curiosity, one of the things that we're doing is embracing the idea of abundance and realizing that there's an infinite number of options out there of ways to connect, of ways to engage, of ways to enjoy pleasure. And when we get in these stuck places, we feel so limited. It's so hard for us to see all of that potential out there. And so purposefully adopting this mindset of abundance and recognition that we live in a world of pure potentiality and that it purely takes intention to experience something in order to create it in our reality 
if we if we choose to prioritize more play and more openness to new experience, that's what we're going to start to experience more in our lives. It all comes down to the choice and the priority. Um, is that the magnetic femininity? Oh, the magnetism of feminine playfulness. Uh, Rocky's bringing me back to my notes because I jump all over the place. <laughs> We can't talk about this all day. I'm sorry. We'd love to, but. <laughs> I mentioned the magnetism of feminine playfulness because one of the things that I teach women in the art of the blowjob is this idea of embodying the invitation for a man energetically. Playfulness is a huge in. Men are, you know, when we come from a pure kind of innocent place of play with him and we're sort of in a bit of our maidenhood, they find that irresistible. It's it's magnetic. It pulls them in. It literally creates an energetic opening for them to step into. So, mm. um, I mean, playfulness can look like so many different things. It can look like dancing. It can look like singing. It can look like silly voices. It can look like you know, <laughs> dressing up. It can look like so many different things. Um, but just taking the time to think about how you like to play uh, and purposefully turning that on in his presence, you're going to experience more attraction between you if you do. Now, I see that with some women, you know, being in that mode where they can turn on their playfulness that's not necessarily sex driven. What does it look like for a man? Give us guys some ideas of what kind of playfulness we can unleash a little bit. I think men are fine to go with their natural instincts for the most part. You just have to, if you're leaning on a form of play where you're objectifying women, like you, you mentioned the spanking earlier, and it's like, okay, we can do better than that. Because like, really, that's just back to making us feel like a sexual object. Men are very physical players. You can play with us physically, but like create a space in your mind for it to be just about play and create a space for us to experience that like, hey, sometimes we play physically and it doesn't always get turned into sex. But the same thing goes for men, dancing, singing, silly voices, silly faces, like doing things out of the ordinary. I don't know, like food fights, water fights, like you know, get out the water guns, the Nerf guns at home. Like first, what would you think is fun? And then how can you make it inviting for her, right? How can you create an invitation for her? Okay. Another way, uh, like getting creative together, making something together, doing art together. Cooking. Doing a project, cooking, and like listening to music and dancing around the kitchen and swaying your hips together a little while you're cooking. That's a great way to kind of merge the two where you're getting a little sexy with them hips, but you're focused on making something together. So it's not going to sex because you got a goal where you're, that you're trying to achieve together. But okay. it certainly could be, you know, stoking things for later sex and likely will if, you know. One of the things that is hottest when men do is holding the tension of attraction, Right creating and stoking that attraction, flirting over time, like cranking up the heat more and more and more and not immediately going for the release and not immediately going for the engagement, but just like 
come by and stoke my fire a little bit throughout the day here and there. Just a little like pay me a sexy compliment. Tell me how awesome I am. Do something nice for me. You know, clean something. (laughs) Shit like that. And then I will be so ready to get naked by the end of the night. (laughs) That's amazing what text messages can do. Mm -hmm. Totally. Because especially because, you know, back to how I mentioned that women operate differently energetically than men typically, we're spending our day doing all these different things and we're thinking about you at the same time because we're capable of that. Our minds work like that. We can we can balance all the things. Men don't necessarily work like that. I'm, I'm sharing this all the time when it comes to like communication expectations. Men are in work realm. They're singly focused. So they're, when they're working on a job, they're not sitting there also thinking about you, their girlfriend, their wife, whatever, their lover. That doesn't mean that he doesn't care. That doesn't mean that he's not invested. It doesn't mean that he's not interested or anything like that. It means he's singly focused on the goal in front of him because that's how his energy works. And if men can develop a habit out of stepping out of that every now and then and and sending a you know, sending a hello our way, it goes really, really far with women because we naturally operate that way and we would do that and we like to do that. And so, you know, if you can meet us there somehow, that's wonderful. But there's definitely a middle ground because a lot of women are like, text me during the day, give me that attention. And it's like, "Mm, you also got to respect that a man is off doing things that are important to him and matter. And like, if you've chosen well you've chosen a man with some direction and some purpose and some things he's doing and you have you have to not take away from that (laughs) well that also adds to how much you know somebody is showing they care when they really are busy but they still can make time Mm -hmm. you know to send you a message it may not be a lot of messages during the day because he's busy but you know the fact that he did get away and allocated some of his brief moments of self-time to be able to reach out to you maybe has more value. A man in his power is giving his full presence to what is in front of him. So if a great way to determine quality of masculine energy you're dealing with, does he feel fully present and attuned when he's with you? Does he feel like he's all the way there with you? Is he all the way there with with his work and and the, the important things that he has going on? Because he can't, he can't do both. He can't, he can't be the accomplished, impressive man that he is and give you all of his attention all the time. Yeah, that got me divorced. <laughs> <laughs> I won't go there. Uh, okay, so what can our listeners do this week to move ahead and um, bring some play and curiosity into their life uh, while they're waiting for the next episode? Yeah, so I want to bring us into a very broad focus around play. And I would love for you to do a little inner exploration, um, looking back into your past, and make a list of all of the different ways that you like to play and the, the things that you find enjoyable to do. Think about hobbies you used to have. Think about ways that you used to like playing with your friends. Think about ways you used to like playing by yourself. Uh, There's lots of different kinds of play. 
So okay, spin the spin the bottle or doctor. <laughs> well, that's definitely uh, that's definitely a. Uh, or are you thinking about something else? That's definitely a, a sexual version. That right now I'm broadening I'm broadening the picture to um to basic forms of play because um, especially if you're in a relationship together, if you both do this work, you can probably find a lot of crossover uh, in things that you would enjoy doing together outside the bedroom, maybe as a date or something to create some kind of habit or ritual around to enjoy doing together. Because if you can play together, you're going to have better sex. But I want to, I want to kind of like quickly help you think about the different forms of play in existence I don't think that I can name all of them off the top of my head because I don't have notes in front of me, but I'm going to do my best. A little known form that that a lot of people don't think about is collecting things. That's like one of the top ways that kids play, collecting rocks, collecting, you know, leaves outside and different kinds of toys. So um, that, that might be a surprising thing that you may or may not both have in common, the fascination with collections. There's playing with the imagination, right? Most of us got into pretend play as kids and then we lose that. So if there's any way that you can incorporate pretend play together, I mean, in the sexual realm, obviously that would be role playing. But if you got creative and tried to think about ways that you could play pretend together outside the bedroom, what would that look like? (laughs) I got to throw one in here because I accidentally invented a game that turned out to be my partner's. She absolutely loved it. So I spend the winters in Florida and I, I live in, you know, Linwood near Seattle. And we were down in Florida and somehow there was this green agate, you know, a little bit bigger than a quarter. Okay. And I don't know, I picked it up. It's like, what's this? And it's like, oh, get rid of it. Right. Or something like that. And it's like, okay. And I think she like tried to throw it away. And I liked it. It was pretty. So I think I retrieved it out of the garbage and I put it out on, we have a little, like a little, um, a screen room. And I put this rock on the shelf out in the screen room. And so it's like, she saw that I picked it up and, and so she picked it up and she moved it, you know, somewhere else. And so I found the thing and I, you know, moved it somewhere else. And over the months, this rock has been in so many locations and, you know, we never, nobody ever said anything about it. It was like, where's the rock, you know, kind of a thing. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing how this all played out, but basically it was like, you know, you try and throw this thing away. No, I'm going to keep it. And, you know, and, and, you know, I'm going to hide it and, or it's, not really hide it. It's a silly little connection thing that only has meaning to the two of you. And therefore it is bonding. That is exactly the kind of like attitude that I'm referring to when it comes to bringing more silliness in is like, yeah, it seems arbitrary and dumb, but it's connecting. It doesn't have to be something specific. Find something like that. In fact, the if you can find something that's unique to you, all the better. Yeah. Silliness is a, is a really big one. Uh, exploration is another big one and one that can maybe be very accessible to men. Uh, a lot of men uh, are way into their adventure side and like, and, you know, like being outdoorsy and things. Uh, if you both like to adventure together, there's lots of different ways to explore the world in a way that makes you feel like you're playing together and kind of getting lost together. Um, 
There is storytelling, uh, creating stories together and, you know, maybe writing something together. Sounds like work, but it's really fun once you get into the project, if you enjoy storytelling at all. There's building something together, creating something together. That sounds like a pretty good list to get people started. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, I think they get the idea. Do something entertaining together that's not necessarily about sex. Because at, at the end of the day, it is, but it isn't. Yeah. So the assignment is for each of you to come up with lists of, of activities that you used to love, that you still love, that, you know, things that just naturally make you feel like you're playing and enjoying yourself. And then from there, if you want to use that as a point of connection, you have that available. Right on. Okay. Well, we're maxed out on time, I think. So we might have to sign off. Uh, Anything else you want to add to that or... I just want to encourage everyone, uh, if you're listening and loving what you're hearing, please uh, rate us and review us. We're working on climbing in the charts here, and we really appreciate your support. And we'd also love to hear from you. uh, If you have any questions or anything that you'd like us to cover, we are uh, working on this in real time and uh, very much love any input from anyone who's digging what we're doing here. And I might suggest it It looks like we may have to eventually have some portion of the show allocated to talking about some of the input because I'm getting some input that I think people want to have you and I talk about on the show. Oh, yeah. I think we can, in the not too distant future, we can do like a Q&A situation. All right. Well, that is it for our show for this week. Uh, check out our next episode. The next one is about... Focus on pleasure and connection. Oh, that sounds like my my favorite episode. (laughs) And see you next week. See ya. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Getting Off with Natalie and Rocky. For more resources and ways to work with us, visit gettingoffwithnatalieandrocky.com. Please don't forget to follow, rate, review, and share the show. Join us again next week for another stimulating episode. We're here to expand your view of what's possible in intimacy and pleasure.